Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. So when we're revived, we begin to fall back in love with Jesus. In other words, the Word of God becomes exciting for us. Prayer meetings take on a new form. It's like our conversation now, we're talking about Jesus and the, His return and what He stands for and so forth. But it's so easy to lose the oil in a car. How many of you have done that before? You go and, and you get it, uh, yeah, actually you get it. You go and you to the garage and that, and all of a sudden they say, you realize how low the oil is. It's amazing the car's still going. Had that. Uh, or we're low on petrol, okay? We're really low on petrol. It's kind of like at some point I have to dot down on a garage somewhere. But that's a little bit like life. God wants you to have an overflowing, overabundance of the presence of God because that's where the life is. The life is not in a system. The life is not in a program. The life is not in a structure. It's in an individual. It's you and I carrying the very Shekinah glory presence of God. It's you and I carrying the rhema, the revelations of God. It's you and I carrying what is called Zoe life, the life of God inside of us. But we can look like a nice church and a reputation of being alive and good guys doing good works. But the animal has gone away. The presence is not there. The life force is not there. So the praise and worship now becomes a duty. Reading the Word of God, I've got to program it in and do my Bible study, and it's like effort. But you know, we know of people in Africa and that, they walk 16 miles to go to church. They walk it, they're excited because they're in the midst of a move of God. And they will walk, they walk with their children and they walk in the rain and so forth with umbrellas, but they're prepared to walk the distance because something's happening in the house. They are hungry for God. God wants to visit the Western world with a reality of the gospel. He wants to visit the world with the power of His Spirit. He wants to come and force dynamo, miracle might, that you carry the presence of God for our generation. People look at your life and they begin to see there's a credible difference in your life. What is it that you have? In other words, let me tell you this, it's so easy to get religious. It's so easy to fall out of love with God. It's not a difficult thing. We allow distractions, we allow other priorities, other values to come around our life. And before you know it, it's just like, man, I kind of like, wow, and we've drifted, Paul says, away. It's easy to drift away. I was over in uh, where the, uh, one of the, um, the buildings are, the YWAM base, a few years ago. And uh, I was in the sea talking to people, and we were sort of doing our own thing. And within maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe a minute or so, I was about 40 meters away from where I was because of the current, and I didn't recognize it. It's so easy to lose our love for Jesus. So what we've got to do is we've got to maintain the mission. Our mission, ready, is intimacy. Our mission is knowing Jesus. And out of the expression of that, we begin to tell our world. We are life to our generation. We are life to our community. Where there's hopelessness, where there's people that are discouraged, where there's people that are perhaps depressed or even oppressed in our world, you become the living 
bring hope for them. You become like the bridge. You become like the channel, the door, and the window into their life. My goodness, this morning, you are carrying Jesus. You are carrying the power of God inside of you, and you need to have that revelation that you have the answer to our generation. You may not be able to verbalize it or even package it in 2023 language, but you've got a change agent. You are a climate changer on the inside. You are carrying the power of Jesus Christ. There's a really powerful enemy out there that wants to say that the church is weak, that wants to say you're not carrying much, but you need to get hold of the revelation of the born again experience and begin to outwork it and begin to change your world. Let's give the Lord an awesome hand this morning. God is at work. And so here we have it, revival. Hosea 13 verses 6 says this, Amplified Version. When they had their pasture, they become satisfied. And being satisfied, their heart became proud, self-centered. Therefore, they forgot me. Psalms 106, 21, they forgot God their Savior who had done great things in Egypt. There is a process. I've walked this process. I've walked out this process. This process is a reality to who I am. I've seen it in many lives. I've seen it in churches. I've seen it in denominations. We've seen it in nations. Number one, we experience a season of blessing and almost relaxation and the spirit of peace. That's a season. That's like a spirit of calmness, spirit of excitement where God is moving around our life. It's like, wow, it's a happening thing. We can bask and we can rest in that peace. When we live in this experience, we can default, if you like, or capitulate. We can give way or lean in, if you like, to a thing called complacency. There's no longer any urgency. There's no longer any pressure to be righteous because things are going well for us. Things are exciting. We've got momentum going. Hey, it's like everything we touch seems to work for us, so we don't actually have to pray. We haven't got a government screaming down on our, our throat. I read the other day, and it was actually yesterday, about a family in North Korea that's been imprisoned, a life sentence of imprisonment, including a two-year-old child. A life sentence because they have the Word of God, the physical Bible, in their house. The whole family's gone in, and they've been charged now, and it's a life sentence. A two-year-old. We don't have that kind of thing in the Western world yet but we don't have it do we so it's kind of like the church of Laodicea it's kind of like well everything's going well for us in our country we can talk about Jesus our customary and formality and it's great we are a privileged country so it's a danger it's a danger for us Things are going well for us. Things are going well for you. You get fed and your parents feed you or you, you got money on the table. You can buy clothes. You can fly tomorrow to Hawaii. You can, you can do anything just about you like. It's a great country. But in the process of that, I just want to warn us if you like or send a shot out. It's so easy to lose our fire or our passion for him. 
We become into slumber, the urgent lifestyle. We begin to neglect the disciplines. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, the, the alarm clock. I don't, I, I, I'll go tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I don't have to get up and pray so much because there's nothing pressurizing us. There's no weight, and we can get into what we call as a stupor or a lullaby, a state where a person is dull and unresponsive and has lost sensibility and can only be awakened by physical pressure and physical force. Well, one pastor says this. He said it can take 20 years for a church denomination to backslide. It can take 20 years for an individual to backslide. We begin to drift away. We're living in the land, the Western world, where things are okay. Sure, you have our ups and downs. But this is where religion, we lose our fire, we lose our passion, and then the replacement of religion. So we do the stuff. We praise, we worship, we hear the good songs and preaching and so forth, but the life force of God just slips away. Because we lost, we got unplugged. We lost our connection. It's easy to serve God. Let me tell you this. It's easier when things aren't going that well because we cry out to him, don't we? Seriously, Israel cried out to God I don't know how many times, more than we can count on, on, on the, the fingers there, hand. They cried out to God. So what's the pattern? We live in a time of ease, at a time where things are going well, times of momentum, time of excitement. And then what happens is we begin to be complacent. And the third thing happens is this. We begin to move into bondage. And our enemies begin to trouble us. Our enemies are risen up against us. And God allows pressure to come against the church. He allows pressure to come against Israel. Then what happens? In our pain, we begin to cry out. God, help me. I'll pray. What time's your prayer meeting? 6.30, I'll be there. I have seen it. I've been in the ministry for a few years now, and I've seen it. We begin to cry out when we're desperate. When we need God, we're there. But when we don't need God, where are we? Now, we might be there in physical form, but we, sometimes we don't engage. But when there's a desperate, when there's a cancer, when there's a scare, when there's an unexpected loss of a job, when one of our children go AWOL and make a terrible decision, we begin to cry out to God then. And, then what, and God will allow, I believe, enemies to be risen up. What happens then? We cry out to God, and then guess what God does? In His merciful richness, in His glorious grace, He comes and says, man, I've been waiting for this. One of the things that is, wouldn't it be great to live a consistent Christian walk? Wow. Decade after decade, just be fervent of the Lord. Just be passionately loved, not go through ebbs and flows, ups and downs, hots and colds, in and outs. It's not just, it's more than temperament. It's passion. It's feeding the flame. It's feeding the fire of God. I believe that's what the promise of God, I believe that's how God wants to live, plugged in. Wouldn't it be great to have a marriage where it's just hot? Hey, it's gone quiet. But wouldn't it be good to have a marriage? You know, it's just like you can't wait till your husband wakes up in the morning. Some of you can't wait till he goes to work. 
I'll move on. But this is a cycle in churches and nations. We see it in Israel. It's very important to understand that, that we cry out to God. Sometimes I feel like, uh, God, I don't want to use you. You've been so good to us. I don't want to use you. But here we go. The next thing is this, is three levels of revival. Three levels of revival. The first level is us, you and me, my life, your life. That's the first level. Ephesians 5.14, it says, This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. That's the NIV. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. It's when we make what is called a, a landslide shift. We shift into God. We shift back for Him because God has done something. There's been repentance. There's been a revival. There's been a reshaping. There's been a reprioritizing. And the Holy Ghost now is blazing in our life. We're excited about church. We're excited about the nations. We're excited about giving. We're excited about reaching. We're excited about going. We're excited about walking. We're excited about authority. We're excited about standing. We're excited about revelation. We're excited about knowledge. We're excited about destiny and destination. And we want to serve God. God, come hell or high water, we want to be in. That's a revival state. And it's magnetic. I remember Natasha and I, when I first met Natasha, that was it. I just thought, wow. And I, I looked at her in that Baptist church, and there was life in that Baptist church because there was life in my heart towards her. I loved her, and I thought, man, it's great. So when I was working in a secular employment, I was working with this guy. He's a non-Christian, but what a good guy he was also. He said to me this, and I never really occurred about it. He said, you really like that girl, Natasha, don't you? And I said, no, why do you think that? He said, because that's all you talk about. <laughs> they said about T.L. Osborne, one of our greatest evangelists, particularly in India, they said, when you get into a private conversation, all he talks about is Jesus. Either conversation can be changed or anything else, but he will move it back into Jesus because he's so full of the fire and the passion of his Messiah. Oh my goodness, I believe the revival is coming. I believe there's a, there's a move of God and we have to fight for it. We have to work for it. We have to prepare for it. We have to repent for it. We have to pursue God for it. But that's what our nation needs. Look, to break the shackles of addiction, it's not going to be just some nice programs. You can put somebody in the clinker and carcination, but it's not going to necessarily change a motivation or change a dark heart. We need God in our nation. We need the Spirit of God in our government. We need the Spirit of God in our church here. We need it throughout the churches. We need it amongst our children and our, our land, if you like. We need God. And the Bible says when a nation begins to come back, what does God do? He begins to heal the land. He heals a land, he heals a nation. You can be burdened about the economy. Be burdened about your morality. Be burdened about your position in Christ. Be burdened about the, the spiritual climate of a nation. God will heal the land. It's a Bible principle. He knows how to get a, an economy happening. He knows how to bring the resources in, the sponsors in, the people in that we need. Seek ye first. Praise the Lord. Okay, first level of revival is Jonathan. Second level of revival is the church. 
God's coming to the church. Ezekiel uh, 37, 10, talking about the valley of dry bones. It's bigger now than Jonathan. It's bigger now than than uh, than Kura. It's bigger now than than uh, Derek over there. It's bigger than just the you and I's. It's now an ark work. It's over a church. God revives a church. Isn't that amazing? When God revives, it's like, have you heard about what's happened down there? No. My goodness, it's incredible outpouring of the Spirit of God. When is their next meeting? I remember we had an encounter weekend with our guys and some of the guys from Tedero College. It was remarkable, but I saw a snippet of it. We had an encounter, men's encounter, a youth encounter, way somewhere, and God had moved powerfully, and some of the young fellas had gone back into their college and actually talked about it. Did you know this is no word of a lie? No word of a lie. After school, they were knocking on. It's quite sad, really, because the church was closed. One guy was going to New Zealand. He's going to go there and relocate and so forth, but he began to knock on that front door, hoping there might be somebody in here because he wanted to experience what his friend had experienced. He saw the life of a transformation. That's what we need. My goodness. Amen, amen, amen. That's good. Then the third area, Jonah, Nineveh. Jonah 3. The next level or the third level of revival, the first level of revival is you. The second is the church. The third level of revival is a nation, a shaking nation. Listen, let me tell you this. God wants to shake a nation. He wants to shake an island, a continent, a people group, a collective peoples. God wants to shake us. He wants to establish his dominion over a region, over a territory, and bring it under the authority of the kingdom of God. Breaking the shackles of darkness, breaking the enemy's power, breaking the poverty, breaking oppressions, breaking the corruption, breaking the deceit, breaking the adultery, the shackles of pornography. God wants to break that over people's life. Sicknesses and illnesses, God wants to break that and release the kingdom of God in our midst. I better calm down before I feel like I want to get fired up a little bit. How do I know if I need a revival? Have you ever considered the thought? How it's so easy to do the slip, slip, slip away. How do I know? Smugness and complacency is this. I care about God, but not enough to do anything. I care about our nature, but not enough to help. I care about that people group overseas, but not enough to support it financially complacency is like a wet blanket begins to come over our life its cousin is religion where we look like the spiritual things but the animal's gone away the passion's not there oh I believe in a passionate church that's what he's coming back for a passionate blind without spot nor blemish how do we get like that do we just say God I want passion I want to be without spot no let me tell, I'll tell you this pressure is coming how else do we get the refined gold? Pressure. Job said, after he's tried me, I shall come forth as gold. I've said this, I'll say it again. I've said this 20, 30, 40 times over the last 10 years. Legislation is coming. It will come and it's desire. God will sit back and allow it to come. It's going to come against the church. We might not be the most popular people on the block. Seriously? In the years to come. But every hungry living soul in our community that's destined for salvation, this will be the place. 
You will find government officials. You will find artists and entertainers. You will find rock musicians. You will find the destitute, the rich and the poor will come into the church because God is in the house. But there's going to be, there's going to be pressure from the enemy, anti-Christ systems, if you like. I don't want to even go down there this morning, but it pressurizes us so we make that decision. Man, I'm going to stand for God or I'm going to back out. Okay, so real quick, how do we know if we need this thing? How do I know if I need revival? How do I know if I need the fire of God, the Holy Spirit to reblaze in something in my own life? Ready, set, go. Number one, when you have a significant divergence from your first love for God, your love for Jesus and your love for the things of God are not like it used to be. It's a vital sign. It's a vital sign that something's amiss, something's wrong. Your passion for the things of God, your passion for the people of God, your passion for the, uh, the kingdom of God is no longer what it used to be. It's replaced by a cold heart or a warm heart, but certainly not a hot, blazing heart. That means you need revival. Now, I believe this. You could go from one week to another week and really dish out on that, but it's over time. Look, look at your life. Where are you? Have you drifted? Have you walked away? Is the temperament, is the passion there? It's easy to fall in love with that beautiful bride. That is for sure. In your eyes, she's the most beautiful thing that walked this earth. But 20 years later, life is a different page. It's a different story. The animal's gone away. The passion's gone away. I often say this. It's like when you get together with your girl, what do you do? You say, no, 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 no. Hey, hey, hey. I'll open the door for you. Open up the door. You close it like that, and you race around the front, and you're driving 49K. Hey. 25 years later, the tides have changed, the season have come, the kids have come, there's been bills, there's been all sorts of stuff, and it's like... Hurry up, you old bag. Get in the car. It's terrible. But that's a little bit. We've become familiar. We even joke about that stuff. Get in the old hubby, the old goat, the old bag. Mate, now bring it right back. She could have married somebody else. Seriously. Somebody down the road, actually, that might even be looking at the wife. We've got to cherish our ladies. Hey, listen, I'm not hearing an amen from any man in here. We need to cherish our woman. I'm still not hearing. Man, what's happening? Come on, man. Come on. Come on. Fight for us. Man, we've got to cherish our woman. Oh, praise the Lord. Let's give yourselves a hand. Now, ladies, he's not a hubby. It's a disgusting word. The old hubby will do. Hubby? What's a hubby? He's a man. And he's a good man. Not, not the old man. But thank you, Jim. Not the old man. That's terrible. Eh? Save the kids. Oh, the old man to help you out. That's terrible. No, no, girls, we've got to cherish our men. Amen? Amen. Let's share it one more time. Amen. Oh, I can feel the coals of revival. <laughs> Praise the Lord. One of the first signs of a backslidden heart is criticism and judgment. Did you know that? Because the grace, I wrote this down this morning, because the grace of God to love people is no longer there anymore and it's replaced by a different spirit. There's discernment where you can discern the motivation. You can discern 
spirits, if you like, but you can discern some things as very different from criticism and judgment. Criticism and judgment come from a different source. It's not the Holy Ghost. When we become critical of the church, this is the church that I tell you, friend, I love you to bits, but you've actually got a mess. You've kind of like unplugged from him. When you love Jesus, you don't start to look at the church. The church is this, the church is that. You begin to love the people. And so what the Bible says, love trusts all things. Love endures all things. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Some people keep a record of wrongs about the church or their leadership or their, somebody in the church. That's off. Love one another. Jesus said, as far as the east is from the west, oh, remember your sins no longer. We begin to love one another, and that builds the soul. We'll honor. We honor one another. I'm going to talk about honor. Honoring one another is very, very important. It's a powerful kingdom principle. So what have we done? Number one, we've moved away. A significant divergence from our first passion and love with God. Number two, and the second vital sign is that you are living for self. Self-pleasure, self-satisfaction, self-motivation. Our life really, at the end of the day, if we to scratch it all out and, and sit with an analysis that really is about our aspirations and what we want to do. We've lost it there. Seriously, we've lost it right there. About my work, my church, my career, about my family, this identifies something important. We're actually just moving alongside destiny. We're alongside Jesus. A vital sign that you're living and I are living away from Jesus is a self-centered, self-focused life revolving around you or it revolves around me personally. I have to watch that. You have to watch that too. Number three is consistent, ever-increasing compromise of our values. It used to be a value for you that you didn't go those places, but now you find yourself walking there. And it's not that God has made you more mature and you've got liberty to go there. It's that you're going to places that the Lord says, cross it out, I don't want you going there. Maybe uh, taking a substance, or, or pick on alcohol if you like, but maybe God spoke to you and said you're not to drink that. Take a Nazarite vow. We don't drink because it's a binge drinking culture, and we don't want to stumble the generations like a seed going through. So we decide that in God to move away. But our heart gets backslidden somewhat, and we find ourselves, oh, a little drink. Was it your conviction or not? Was it a value or not? The value was turning up to church every Sunday and bringing your children in. Now you find yourself playing golf or on a boat somewhere. You're backslidden. Did I say that? That's what we, we are. I'll throw myself, us, we. We're backslidden like that. When the values that we once treasured in God, we promised ourselves we'd never look at another woman. And now we're scrolling pages late at night. When compromise begins to take over, and then what we do, we begin to excuse it. We're backslidden, respectfully. That's true. What once was a high value is no longer. It no longer actually matters how we live. Our values build protection around us. They will hold us in great steed. There is jobs I've never taken, career-minded jobs. There's been promotions because I'd be in a compromising position with other people that I shouldn't have been. It was woman, actually. I decided it's fifteen dollars to $20,000 more on the top 
And I decided, no, I won't do that because of values that I personally have. What are your values? You're still holding them? Are they still dear to you? Are you still making the sacrifices? Are they still supporting your life? Or have your values become shoddy, shady, wobbly? Number four, the downturn and decline of who God is, who Jesus is, and who the Holy Spirit is in your life. The dependency is no longer there. We no longer consider God. We no longer consider Him. We make our own decisions. I'll explain it this way. The thing we used to do and the things we used to believe are no longer held in high value. And other things have taken preeminence. He used to be our miracle worker. He used to be our sole provider. He used to be our comforter. He used to be our rock. He used to be our source. He used to be our pure dependence. But now we're allowing so many other things to prop us up. It's a sign of a backslidden heart. It's quite incredible. Fifth thing and just about there. When there is a decline, number five, in your passion for the house of the Lord. It's a duty. I go because to meet friends, but you don't go to engage God. Like the, the African woman. 16 miles walking in rain and sun on her children. The reality of, I know this particular person, there's no husband, four children and friends walking on the heat. And they walk because she wants to bring the children up in the ways of God. That's a passion for the kingdom of God. When somebody risks their life putting a Bible in their house, knowing full well what awaits them, they got caught out, I mentioned, and their entire family is in prison, including a two-year-old child, sentenced to a lifetime of prison. It's actually quite public news, it's not. Look at the desperation, look at the hunger. I look at the sacrifices of some of my Christian pastor brothers and sisters overseas that they make is absolute mind-boggling. They are in dimensions that we've never heard of. They're operating in the things of the Spirit that we've never seen. But the level of sacrifice is absolutely phenomenal. And we sit in a great nation, one of the best nations on the earth, let me tell you this, Rarotonga, Cook Islands. We can get up. There's a lot of things very, very good about this, that we have luxuries. We have privileges, if you like. And if you don't think that, then you go live over the other side of the world and see what it's really about. And what happens is the danger of it is this. We become lax. We've got free religion. We have. We've got free religion. You can get up anywhere you like and talk about Jesus, but we just sit there in our heart. It's not what it used to be like. We're back. So I don't know how else to say this this morning, but really, I think we need, we've got there's some vital signs and we need to come back home. Now, remember, Jesus said it's going to happen. That's what he said in the book of Revelation. Right through, Paul teaches about it. Peter teaches about it. Behold, at the door I knock. That's at that number seven church. Laodicean church, that's us. It's easy to get quiet. It's easy to, 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 to pull back. It's easy, you ready for this? It's easy to lose your fight. No longer fight for your family, fight for our sons, fight for our children, fight for the next generation. It's easier to hold back if somebody else will do it. Because sometimes, you know, and I see this and I've been challenged so much myself, it's like standing up and then you stand up and you're standing up. You get some more hits, but you've got to get up. You've got to stand up for the things of God. We get one opportunity of this life, one shot at it of being a Christian. It was never meant to be easy. 
But what kind of like a lot of us, me in particular, I love you guys to bits, but we're afraid to actually stand up. We need men, blokes, decision makers, guys that aren't in the shadows and can give you a handshake, look at you in the eye, and we need great role models. I'm just, I wouldn't go down that line. But that's, that's honestly, we need that. But there's a spirit attacking our men. And it's not just here, Cook Islands or anywhere, it's in Australia, it's in New Zealand, it's United States of America, it's in China, it's in the UAE, it's in the Pakistani churches. There's an attack against the structure of men. Our men have got to come up in prayer, lifting up holy hands without wrath or disputing. Be a decision maker, be a role model. You say, well, I didn't have a father. You've got a father. You've got a great dad. His name is Yahweh. His name is God. Lock into how Jesus lived his life. I mean, I know some of you, 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 your dads haven't been around, but honestly, the encouragement is Jesus. The encouragement, look unto him, the author and perfecter of your faith. He's the greatest role model. Anyway, we're out there. Just going to wind up. Psalms 122.1. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. David said they had a passion. I studied David quite a bit. But there's a guy there that has a continuous passion before the Lord. Psalms 84, 1 and 2. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh, they cry out for the living God. The last one, number six. When we come to a place where we no longer go forward, but now we find ourselves holding back, holding back on giving, being generous to people, on praying, sacrificing, perhaps fasting, just holding back on service. Somebody else will do it. The care for the house isn't quite there. We're just actually holding back. We have a lot of knowledge. We understand spiritual things, but our hearts are this. Our heart must come with our knowledge. Please, the Pharisees were brilliant. They're intelligent bunch of people. They understood knowledge, but their heart was miles away. God wants to bring their heart back. If you enjoyed this message, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. We'd also love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Celebration Raro or visit our website, celebration.atonga.com. Until next time.